Hello and welcome to Deep Lorable, a podcast where a couple of friends dredge the internet for the deepest lore. I'm Michael Bastien. And I'm Billy Staples. And if I remember correctly, last week we did not decide on a topic for this week, which, at least not in the episode recording, uh, but we have since discovered what topic we're doing. Billy, would you like to sort of give us a... So we're doing we're doing shapeshifters. Shapeshifters are, I guess the best way to explain it would be people that turn into animals or animals that turn into people. Whether that be like a werewolf where they just, on a full moon, shed their skin and become a wolf. Or like some of the other ones we'll see where you just crawl out of your skin. Yeah. Well, all right. This uh... was not a happy... Uh... Not the, a happy one to investigate. The research that I w- did went slightly sideways. Apparently, uh, I am suddenly much more interested in what's going to happen this this episode and what research you found. I found some fun stuff, but I mean, I shed their skin. <laughs> All right, I think I. Hmm. Okay, my research was a little less directed towards the the animal shifters, although that does seem to be the the Therianthropes yeah. seem to be a a majority shareholder in the shapeshifting department. I I let let my uh, scope of research be a little a little broader than that specific one, but man, I I know we have to save shedding their skin that comment for later. Because that definitely sounds like it needs to be saved for when it's... we're starting to talk about the deepest lore. Mm. It's not as fun as you think. Mm. I don't know that I'd necessarily call it fun, but I would call it just just a little bit out there. I will open with the Wolfman fandom wiki that I found. Oh, no. <laughs> if you if you don't mind. Uh, this one, Go it's not it. as... I should really preface, a lot of the shapeshifter lore and stuff that I was finding was basically just copy and pasted from the Wikipedia article. And I don't mean I copy and pasted from the Wikipedia article, although I did do that a little bit. Because, you know, you got to take your sources when you, where you can find them. But there are some... There, there are a number of wiki pages out there that the information is exactly what is on the Wikipedia article in, like, the exact yeah. same order and it's like you guys didn't even try to do your own research but the the wolfman fandom wiki which i i enjoy for a variety of reasons isn't quite as as fun in design as the vampire wiki that i found where with the little you know you remember the little vampire in the coffin mouse yeah that was fun yeah i i did know that this site was promising when upon opening the page the picture chosen to represent werewolves is just the werewolf model from Skyrim. <laughs> the PNG for which is... I'm sorry, it's a JPEG. It's not a PNG. Of course they wouldn't use a lossless image file. PNG for which... Or the JPEG for which is uh, entitled... Awu... Spelled <laughs> A-A... Spelled A-H-H-H-W... Followed by a lot of O's. <laughs> the scrolling down in this, which... Some of a fair amount of this information is, from what I can tell, largely accurate is maybe not the best word, um, but realistic. This wiki points out that the Epic of Gilgamesh is one of the oldest known sources for uh, wolfmen or for werewolves, in which Gilgamesh abandoned a potential lover due to her previous history of transforming her mate into a wolf, which is... It's kind of a weird sort of praying mantis style yeah. demise. 
It's like, all right, I'm done with you. You're a wolf now. Go have fun hunting deer, I guess. What really, what really sets this sets this wiki apart from other sources is the powers and abilities section that they have. Oh, because you know, of course, this wiki's got to have a list of like powers and abilities for werewolves. The first line item: full moon. Sexy werewolves are at their physical peak during a full moon. I, well, that's verbatim from this wiki. Hold on. <laughs> I don't. I kind of. Is. Oh, it, this is what happens when there is a low standard of editing on your wikis. Where's some of the other fun ones? Superhuman speed. Their common speed in human form is a 30 mile per hour range. Have you. Have. Have you timed werewolves, wiki? Did you find a real werewolf and. And. Get your radar gun and just kind of track it they can reach 45 miles per hour in a partial shift again we're running into wait hold on part a partial shift in bipedal werewolf form it is believed they can reach speeds of more than 90 miles per hour in their actual wolf form their speed exceeds 100 miles per hour i have to assume this is coming from the twilight books it has to be it has to be there's no way in hell a wolf is running at 100 miles an hour (laughs) remember these are werewolves they're super wolves these wolves have magic powers what are they sparkle in the sunlight i no, that's the vampires um although now that you mentioned the vampires scrolling down a little bit where is it immunity to vampire venom now we've done the vampire episode already did you see anything in commonly accepted vampire lore about vampire venom because i kind of wish we had found out that about that found out about that yeah i i wish we had found out about that too because now i'm confused where is vampire venom coming from is that also from twilight that doesn't sound like a twilight thing that doesn't feel like the hundred miles per hour thing that feels like it could come from twilight the vampire venom i don't know they do sparkle in sunlight it it's not too far to imagine that they have venom lie detection werewolves can sense if anyone is lying or untruthful to them this ability only works on humans and vampires so not really anyone huh yeah hmm Pain transference. Werewolves can absorb and alleviate pain from other people cre- people slash creatures and can heal in some cases. Okay, we're just gonna leave that one be. <laughs> is this wiki not so much fun? Like, this is all... I, I don't know whose fanfiction this is coming from, and I think it's a couple different ones. I don't know, but I'm interested. <laughs> Where was one of the other ones? There was something else in here. Oh yeah, wall crawling. Some werewolves have the ability to use their... To, have the ability to, comma, use their sharp claws to climb or scale sheer surfaces. Which... Is just climb like it's just climbing. Why are you calling it wall crawling? Why is this a superpower? It's just using your claws to like grapple onto surfaces. Has this has the has the writers of this wiki not heard of cats? I don't think they have heard of cats, or if they have, I I think they're just more interested in their werewolves. One of their reference pages is pretty reasonable. It's actually one of the ones that I, I looked into to kind of get a little bit of information uh, from history.com. But they also have the Monster Wiki, the Encyclopedia Monsters Wiki. They do cite Wikipedia and the Unnatural World Wiki, <laughs> which, jumping over to Monster Wiki with a very edgy Diablo wallpaper, it's... You ever made a copy of a JPEG too many times and it just starts to get distorted and distorted? Yeah. I feel like this wiki page is distilling from other wiki pages which have distilled from other wiki pages. It just seems a bit cyclical. Yeah, it 
Mm. I do love just the werewolf propaganda of this wiki page, though. It, it, every Everything on this page, lycanthrope enhancement. Werewolves can show off their yellow eyes, fangs, and claws by partially shifting. They can also affect the human form, making the body a p- more muscular. Like, everything on this page is just someone who... Big fan of werewolves, and not necessarily interested in keeping... Keeping historically yeah. accurate. Speaking of historic, historically accurate, Uh-oh. you're probably familiar with these, but in Japanese folklore, there is the the yokai tale of the kitsune. Okay, yeah, we love we love a good kitsune here. <laughs> uh oh, what have you found about the kitsune that I did not know? So I always kind of knew that they that they were they're mischievous. Mm-hmm. They like to trick people. Yeah, they're they're. Uh, trickster demons of sorts from Japanese mythology. I, I did not know that some stories portray them as faithful guardians, and they have been closely associated with uh, associated with Inari, a Shinto, a Shinto kami, a uh, spirit, and serve its, and serve as its messengers. I cannot speak today. Do we have any background on the Inari? Inari is the Japanese god of foxes. Okay, that makes sense then. Rice, tea, sake. Agriculture, industry, fertility. A whole lot of things. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah, I, I did note. Well, I mean, you got the sake in there, so. Yeah, I mean, all right. By extension. It does seem like a lot of drinks and barley, though. Because you got the barley tea and stuff. Nari was the patron of swordsmiths and merchants, represented as male, female, or androgynous. Okay, so Nari is just a real people's, people's god. Is Inari is sometimes seen as a collective of three or four individual kami. So that explains that explains why there's so many things that it rules over. Oh yeah, I guess if it's a collection of like four different four different gods. Yeah. Curious. Okay, and then and then the the kitsune are sort of the attendants. Yeah, if they're not pranking mortals, then they're delivering messages to other gods for the Shinto kami. Like who wouldn't be out pranking mortals? If I were an immortal yokai, I'd probably prank some humans. If I was an immortal shapeshifting fox creature. Now, I when I was researching into into the shapeshifters and got to the um to the kitsune, I had to stop and think if I rem- if I could remember a part of Neo where I've seen one cuz that game's kind of very heavily has a lot of um yokai and j- very Japanese folklore. Mhm. And I can't pick. I can't think of an instance in where I found a kitsune. But would you know? That's what I was. That's what I was wondering. Was did I find one and I just didn't notice because it's a because that's his whole thing. It's whole gimmick. Did you end up beating Neo? Uh, I beat Neo one. I don't think I beat Neo two. Okay, maybe. I maybe think the I... final boss bothered me. Possible. Neo again. You like you said. Neo is heavily influenced by sort of yeah. yokai and uh, Japanese folklore. So. There's there's some if ever you want like a good spooky holiday go and start googling uh Japanese yokai cuz there is some creepy stuff out there. Uh the tanuki. Well, that's, that's another, creepy that's for a totally different reason, my guy. Tanu- tanuki is another shapeshifter and man are they interesting. All right, carry on. Now I didn't prepare anything for tanukis because so we're not we're not we're not talking about a tanuki. We're not we're not going to get into tanukis right now. <laughs> but if we're going to keep talking about Japanese folklore and yokai, I read a little bit about the bakeneko, 
which unlike a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today, which would be humans that turn into animals, this is an example of an animal that can turn into human. Oh, well, I guess the kitsune was one. Of the- yeah. Um, but the Bake Neko, the most interesting thing that I found out about them is that apparently one of them wanted to sumo. And so they kind of used their powers to to make that happen for them. I don't know any other details about this story. And I'm kind of sad that I couldn't find a whole lot on it because these are just straight up like house cats that can kind of walk around on their hind legs if they feel like it that can shape shift into humans. Oh, it's believed that this legend kind of got started from uh, cats in... In, I think, feudal Japan, it may be a different period, that would drink lamp oil. Hmm. Because people are like, oh, these these cats must be, there must not be, you know, cats. They're, uh, they're literally drinking lamp oil. Like, what's... Yeah. Upon doing a little bit of further research about the Bakeneko, it I did discover that in that time period where that myth, that legend kind of got started, the lamp oil was refined from fish oil, which is hypothesized to be the reason why they had a problem with cats drinking lamp oil. Yeah. Bouncing back to werewolves briefly. So werewolves are pretty common in European folklore for, you know, obvious reasons. There was a time while the witch hunts were going on that a lesser known sort of thing was going on called wolf hunts, which were, it wasn't as widespread as witch hunts, but they were basically werewolf hunts. They were the same kind of idea. Someone shows up in the town, someone's suspected of being a werewolf, eventually they're burned at the stake because that's one of the ways that people thought you could kill a werewolf. What got me though was some of the the physical traits in a in a werewolf's human form that were thought to help identify uh, a werewolf included curved fingernails, low-set ears, a swinging stride, and what I thought was kind of interesting, the meeting of both eyebrows at the bridge of the nose. Specifically, if you have a unibrow, or if you see someone with a unibrow, they might be a werewolf. Well, it's a good thing that's not a thing anymore, because, man, I sometimes get a unibrow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what else did you find, Billy? I got some other stuff on my on my list, but so I do have I do have one that I thought was kind of entertaining. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna attempt to pronounce the native way to say this. Translating that to English, it's like man man with stick or man who rubs stick. Oh, I think I read about these. What? Yeah, what was that all about again? So it's a it's a Somal it's Somali mythology. Mm-hmm. It's a man who can transform himself into a hyena man by rubbing himself with a magical stick at nightfall. And then he could repeat this process at dawn, before dawn to turn back into a human. I love all of these mythologies, like these mythos, myth, these legends. I love all of these legends that have such specific ways of enacting whatever magic curse or spell that is going on in them. Yeah. You have to rub. There, there is this one specific stick. It's magic. It, it only works at midnight or at just before dawn or just before nightfall, just before dawn, sunset, sunrise. Rub yourself with the stick. You'll turn into a, hy- a hyena? hyena. A hyena. And then before dawn, rub yourself with the stick again. You'll turn back into a person. It's just really, really specific. Kind of almost as suspe- specific as, and I, I think we should probably, probably at this point, uh, throw out the caveat of, again, similar to the vampire episode, we are native English speakers and nothing else. So we're going to mispronounce some of these these names, and we apologize for that in advance. 
or I guess in hindsight, if we've already screwed some up. Uh, but the Lugaru? Lugaru. Yes. Okay. Um, spelled L-O-U-P-G-A-R-O-U. Okay. It's a creature. It's a it's a shapeshifter, a shape changer. It's a bit weird, though. See, this creature takes on the form of a man with no head. Um, who, okay. Who roams the night with a wooden coffin on his neck. On top of the coffin are three lighted candles and the long, loose end of a heavy iron chain, which is noosed around its waist, which trails behind. It's okay. said that one of the appendages is turned backwards. I had no further description on which appendage is turned backwards. I'm going to assume it's one of the feet, because <laughs> honestly, I don't know what else to assume at this point. Yeah. What The reason I bring this up now is the method of of defeating this creature, um, you kill it by beating it with a stick, specifically one that's been anointed with holy water and holy oil. Okay. Slightly more, even even more bizarre, is due to a lack of punctuation in the various sources that I've found, I have no idea if the stick needs to be anointed with holy water and holy oil for this amount of time, or if you need to beat this creature with the stick for this amount of time. But that amount of time is nine days. <laughs> All right. Huh. So either you have to beat this creature to death for nine days with a stick. Talk about beating a dead horse. Or yeah. you have to anoint the stick with holy water and holy oil for nine days. I'm inclined to believe the second one, if only because the first one is just absolutely crazy. Uh, during this process, the creature, of course, will be taking on the shape of a number of animals, including wild boars and turkeys. The amount of setup for that one. There is a lot of setup involved to defeat this guy. I have two more things. Okay. Well, two and a half. And then and then we've got the one that you are interested in. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. The first one of the two and a half is the Chinese mythology. And I'm sorry if I butcher this. Oh, but this one we will butcher because... We're, we're, we're trying. The Huli Jing. I'm trying my best with what little I know of Chinese. Um, it's a Spock, a fox spirit, not a Spock spirit, a fox spirit that appears as a beautiful long, young woman. Most of them are dangerous, but some are the heroines of love stories. Which I do like. I like this this idea. People have been uh, enjoying the idea of werewolves and shapeshifters for way longer than, you know, since Twilight came out. Yeah. I like, I like hearing about heroic shapeshifters that are, you know, from cultures other than cultures and times other than modern United States. So the second one mm-hmm. is the ancient ancient Indian script, uh, scriptures describing the Raksasha. Mm, yes. They assume animal forms to deceive humans. The Raksasa, yeah, they're definitely interesting. They, I, th- I think they've gained a little bit of popularity in, in, in one form or another after kind of D&D introduced them to the the monster manual which for those who don't play D&D the monster manual in in D&D is in Dungeons and Dragons is sort of the just a codex of all of the creatures and people that you could encounter in combat it's not all of them there's plenty of sources but the monster manual is the the main one but the rakshasa have kind of in in D&D at least they they're primarily sort of tiger or pantheresque in shape with like inverted hands and I, I wonder how close that actually is to the the proper sort of description of a Rakshasa from, I think it's Hinduism that feature, yeah, it's features Hinduism. them. 
from remembering my from remembering my world religion classes well enough. So there, I took the demon or goblin. They are most powerful in the evening, um, during the dark period of the new moon, and are dispelled by the rising sun. Sort of anti werewolves in that respect. Yeah, and they the most powerful among them is their king, the ten headed Ravana. I recognize that name. I recognize the name too, but that's the... one of the. It's one of the the deity figures from from Hindu beliefs. I, I... Yeah, the last thing I have that I marked as kind of a half up thing mm-hmm. is because we were talking about shapeshifters. Naturally, I had to go look up Elder Scrolls lore on <laughs> lycanthropy. Of course. Fortunately, Elder Scrolls lycanthropy, I think, matches reasonably well to um, more standard European uh, mythology or folklore. When it comes to Elder Scrolls, I know that I knew that there were were werewolves, and Skyrim gave us werebears. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew about were crocodiles because of I do research into Elder Scrolls very frequently. I did not know the Elder Scrolls decided were crocodiles was a good idea, but okay, carry on. Well, okay. So where crocodiles are in Black Marsh. Okay. Where bears are from Skyrim. Werewolves are kind of all around. Okay. The wood elves over in Valenwood have were vultures? Huh. There's also were lions and elsewhere and were boars. Were lions so elsewhere being the sort of the homeland of the cat people from from Elder Scrolls. Where lions don't surprise me. You mentioned where boars and not and where boars. Now I'm okay. So I've got two things that kind of latch onto that, and I'm gonna mispronounce this. But the the Nagual or Nahual, um, I don't remember. I actually didn't write down where they those that one comes from. Uh, the Nahual is a human being that can magically turn themselves into animal animal forms. Most commonly, apparently, are donkeys, turkeys, and dogs. Oh, so they're. There is some precedent for were turkeys uh, and were vultures, but you mentioned the boars, and we we now have a bit of a trifecta here between the bear, the wolf, and the boar, which um, to our fans of North Norse mythology may lead them to the berserkers. Yes. Ooh, do you have information on the berserkers? I don't have anything noted but i do know of them okay so berserkers um the old is nordic i think it comes from two words uh the b bear b-e-r for well bear and cirque for uh clothing or garment these these fighters, these berserkers, they were these um, revered as almost supernatural and not almost supernatural. These fighters were considered at the time to be supernatural, to be able to, in combat, take on the shape of bears, wolves, or even boars. They would wear the skins of these creatures, these like the pelts, as as part of their battle attire and fight with the strength of purportedly the strength of animals, just this wild abandon, like practical inability to feel pain. And as I said, there's, there is, it's a sort of the surrounding lore is that in combat, they even change into the shape of these animals, at least the more powerful ones of them do. There's a lot of, and and the berserkers were real fighters, whether or not they can, they could change into animal shape. I guess I probably shouldn't comment on, there's some back and forth, scholarly speaking, about whether or not these 
how these fighters, some back and forth scholarly speaking about how these fighters did the things that they did, whether they just kind of through meditation and willpower brought themselves into a kind of trance or a battle frenzy, or if it was through um, the use of hallucinogens or other chemicals. There's kind of been apparently evidence going either way, including certain seeds uh, of flowers buried with a couple, at least one such berserker that was contained chemical properties that could potentially induce these kinds of hallucinations. But I, I, I think it's interesting that in a video game series like The Elder Scrolls, which has very much has its own lore, that it draws from it draws as heavily as it does from real world sources. Now, while we're still somewhat on the topic mm-hmm. of Elder Scrolls, there is one more type of wearman. Okay. It's rumored that in the depths of the oceans and the go- the sea of ghosts, there are were sharks. That seems hazardous. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. If if I were if I were aware if I were aware creature, because in remind me in Elder Scrolls, um, in the video games you can activate your transformation sort of at will. It yeah. takes a bit to it takes a bit to maintain it, but that's presumably for balancing purposes for the video game. Within the lore of the game, is it a light of the full moon kind of thing, or is it a you can intentionally transform? In the lore, it's. You can only transform when it's a full moon. Okay. But you intentionally transform when it's a full moon. Yeah, the the character that you play as in Skyrim can transform at will because of the specific strain you get. Okay. And because of your dragon board. Right. But So that definitely seems ha- like if I yeah. had little control over turning into a shark man, you just wake up in the middle of the ocean and you're just like if you're really deep under the water, would you when you revert from your shark form um you're gonna have a bad time i imagine maybe at at the full moon you turn into the shark you get into the water you hunt around for a bit and then i i would assume that the were shark then when you're in beast form knows okay i'm about to turn back i'm gonna head closer to the land on one hand i feel like that's being too generous to the lore and the situ and like the curse on the other hand i don't see how were sharks would continue if they all died the minute they turned. Yeah, I don't. That might be something I have to look into because I'm really interested to see how, if a, if they actually are canonical. Mm-hmm. What little we know about them, as far as I'm aware, is in one of the books. The guy who's going over all of the different types of werewolves kind of mentions. My colleagues say this is a thing, but I, there's been really no evidence of it. So, well, you also got to keep in mind that within the within the Elder Scrolls games. There is a history of unreliable narrators. Yeah. You, when it comes to Elder Scrolls, you need both sides of the story in order to understand what's going on. Stupid bard college. We, we've we started talking about <laughs> werefish, and it's brought, me, it's brought me to a certain individual that I found called Ton MacCarill. Carill? Ton MacCarill? Oh. It's a name that I can't pronounce. Specifically, why I bring this guy up is because he's an interesting case of a shapeshifter that's lived for like the the last number i saw was like 5500 years apparently he's a fairly significant figure but he had from what i could tell had the ability to change shape but also to retain his memories whenever he was reincarnated he survived oh. a a great flood by turning into a salmon and okay. over the course of his story 
becomes uh, a boar and an eagle and uh, I think one other thing before eventually becoming a salmon again was caught by a fisherman. Oh, no. (laughs) Cooked and eaten by the fisherman's wife. In some places, specifically eaten whole by the fisherman's wife. Oh. Whereupon the fisherman's wife then gave birth to him. No, hold on. Because, <laughs> you know, that's exactly how this works. We've had a lot of, uh, a lot of shape-shifting lore here. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about that. Going from salmon mm-hmm. to another water creature. Oh, good. We're going to finally talk about the Scottish mythology, the Scottish legend known as the Selkies. Or the Sel- Selkie folk. Ooh, okay. So I've, I have heard the name Selkie, but I don't know nearly enough about them. Please enlighten me, Billy. So Selkies, or Selkie folk, translates to seal folk. Okay. They're mythological beings capable of therianthropy. Okay. They change from seal to human by shedding the, skil- the skin of the seal. They then go do human things on land for the day and then before midnight they have to crawl back into the seal skin to turn back into the seal so that they can go back into the ocean and live oh no wait that's that's in hmm i did some research into it and there is there's been cases where they just they go back to turn into a seal and their skin is just gone because someone had stole it because oh, of course you can't just leave a seal skin yeah. lying around and they kind of need it, so they perish. Oh no! Like this is a life or death thing for them. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. No, that's that's quite un. Oh no! They shed their skin. They just leave their skin hanging out. They must hide they, it. I assume they hide it. I can't believe that a creature whose life hangs on finding this skin again, that they just leave it hanging out. It does not surprise me that the skin has been stolen. Not only because I have heard that the skin, that in the little bit that I do know about, that I did know about Selkies, that their skins get stolen, like their pelts. I did not know that they had to, like, crawl back into their skin. It's a bit ghoulish. To make matters worse, there's been some stories where people steal the skin and promise to give it back with the ultimatum that they'll give it back, but the Selkie has to marry them. Mm. Not something I wanted to hear. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff like that in Shapeshifter lore, like a weirdly large amount. Yeah. To be fair, the Greeks were kind of particularly bad. Oh, wait, the Selkie lore is Greek, isn't it? There's a reason why I didn't grab any lore from the Greeks. I do have a, Gre- a, a Greek story, a story from Greek mythology, rather, that was, like was worth bringing to the table. Have you heard the story of Athena's birth in Greek mythology? No, I don't believe I have. Because I had heard of the story of Athena's birth from Greek mythology, but I had not realized the full extent of it. What I had heard was uh, just the part where Athena sprang from Zeus's head, fully grown in battle armor. That's all I had heard. I'm like, okay, goddess of wisdom, goddess of combat prowess this this is a thing that happens in greek mythology this is horses yeah. get born, born from sea foam people spring from other people's heads what i did not know was the links that this had to shape-shifting oh. apparently apparently the titan metis who was i guess the first wife of zeus and apparently the mother of athena more on that later could change her appearance into basically anything she wanted 
And due to some deadly, some deadly pride, some hubris, Zeus tricked her into turning into a fly and then swallowed her because he was afraid that he and Metis would have a son that would be more powerful than him. Metis, naturally, as Greek mythology goes, was of course already pregnant and decided, I'm just going to, I'm just going to live inside your head now. So she stayed alive inside his head and built armor for Athena there. The banging of the metalworking was so annoying and distracting and gave Zeus, Zeus, not Zeus, Dr. Zeus was not here, gave Zeus such a headache that he had Hephaestus cut his head open with an axe. Oh no. It was at this point that Athena sprang out of Zeus's head fully grown in battle armor, which just was so much of a wilder journey than I was expecting. It's Greek mythology, so, you know, you'd think, but at the same time... That's... Hmm. I'm not surprised. I'm just more confused. It's... I don't know how to handle it. That That was the... The last and I think best thing that I could come up with, though, uh, as far as the research on on shapeshifters, I thought it was pretty good. That is pretty good. Uh, where are you at on how much? Uh, what else have you got? Anything else or? I do not have anything else, unfortunately. Oh, don't say unfortunately. You brought a lot to the table. Uh, the Selkie lore, I, I, I did not realize that it was quite as gruesome as it was for some reason it just kind of seemed like a maybe it's just because uh in the united states we have such a romanticized view of greek mythology but um i've always i guess kind of pictured selkies as these shapeshifters but when they take on human form they still have their pelt from when they're in animal form they just have it with them and i knew that was kind of an important thing because they needed it to change back which is a common theme in in shapeshifter lore a lot of shapeshifter lore was like you know this son and his father found these magic uh wolf skins that could turn them into wolves for 10 days or the magic stick from the hyena man man. what was what was that creature's name again what was that figure's name again so the translated one is man oh right man who used stick man who rubs i can yeah I could try to pronounce that, but it's, I wouldn't even know where to start. Fair enough. But so I guess I thought Selkies were just a little more benign than crawling out of their, like shedding their skin and then crawling back into it before midnight. So now I guess we have to talk about what we feel like the deepest lore is here today. Yeah, that is the next step. The Lugaroo still gets me. I think the Lugaroo might. Might be a candidate for the deepest lore. There's a lot of stuff. Just the Luger is a really, really bizarre. No head, roams the night with a wooden coffin on its neck. On top of the coffin are three lighted candles, and uh, the long, loose end of a heavy iron chain is noosed around its waist and trails behind. That almost reminds me... Hang on. Isn't that almost a verbatim description of Pyramid Head from Silent Hill? Uh... Yeah, except I don't think Pyramid Head had a chain wrapped around him. Are you sure? I seem to remember, I seem to remember like chains. Like I never actually played a Silent Hill game, so to be fair, no, I think I don't think he has chains. I think oh, he's like, got that sword. He's got that sword that he drags. Yeah, he's that's got the, what the he's got the giant the giant butcher's knife that drags across the ground. That's the metal dragging noise that I'm thinking of. 
to be fair, Pyramid Head is also super. Uh, I'm s- grim. Like just looking at Pyramid Head, I'm terrified of him. Yeah, Pyramid Head's not like you know. There's a reason it's a the, the pyramid here. He is an antagonist. He's not your Freddy Fazbear, where you just kind of look at him and go, "Ah, oh, it's just a bear." Yeah, that is an interesting parallel, though. Kind of looking at the design yeah. for for Pyramid Head. Uh, for those who who don't know, Silent Hill is a, a horror game franchise that is is pretty deeply rooted in like psychological, but also monster horror. Uh, and Pyramid Head is this figure that wields a, I guess technically it's a butcher knife, but it is a a large blade that is basically the size of this this guy, tall, muscular, wears yeah. a butcher's apron, and on his head appears to be a large pyramid structure that seems to be. I I always thought of it as a mask, but it almost it's it's kind of got a coffin like shape to it. I don't know if this guy's actual head is inside it though. I don't. No, either. But I, I wonder how much of this figure was based off of the the Lugaru. I think I remember a game with, like, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it, and I'm picturing the Lugaru, and that looks familiar. So I think I'm, I might, there might be a game out there that has something like him in it. There is in some game a creature that runs around with a chain on him and a coffin on his head, but I don't remember where it's from. You're not thinking about. Uh, the cage guy from Bloodborne, are you? No, I'm not. Th- I'm not thinking of Nicolash. There's some good contenders here for the for deep lore. I think it'd probably be the Lugaru. You think of the Lugaru? I'm thinking the Lugaru because we've got it, it. It is definitely something to be kept in mind that we're we're looking for the most obscure and ideally, but not necessarily the most hilarious. Although definitely beating this thing to death with a stick for nine days straight is is a very funny mental image. All the while, it is like bouncing between different animal forms. The Selkie lore, like I did not personally know it, but I do know that Selkies and indeed Greek mythology in general in the United States is is fairly well documented. As I said, Greek mythology has a bit of a habit of getting romanticized in this country. And then there's the story of Athena... Second verse, same as the first kind of thing. The Lugaru is, I think, I'm going to say Creole, and that's probably not a good... If you just search uh, Lugaru the way that I spelled it earlier, you'll find mostly stuff that's just about werewolves, uh, because it is a a version of the werewolf mythology. The one specifically that I have been describing is one from the folklore of Trinidad and Tobago, okay. which does commonly take on the shape of a a wolf man or a, a man with a wolf head. The, the coffin and the chains all are a part of the mythology as well, but it looks like this thing also, like this thing kind of can primarily take the form of a, like a werewolf type creature. But being being mythology from from the Trinidad and Tobago kind of uh, region, it definitely I think it holds a certain amount of obscurity over Greek mythology, which is fairly well known at this point. I'd be willing to hold to your your assessment. It's a very very long way of saying, yeah, Luguru maybe. And uh, yeah, I still can't figure out whether or not the stick needs to be anointed with holy water and holy oil for nine days, or if you have to beat this thing with a stick for nine days. I have now seen that in multiple places, and the punctuation there is bad every time. Maybe it's both. It may. Oh, I hope it's not both. That's like eighteen days of stick. Dedicate eighteen days of your life just to deal with this one, this one creature. I mean, I I'd be willing to to try, if only because this thing is. Uh, it seems pretty nasty. 
as far as creatures yeah. go. This isn't like that one uh, vampire that gets your toes when you're sleeping. <laughs> Which admittedly is also not great, but at least uh, at least the Lugaroo has the uh, the decency to be spooky and scary up front. Is that it, though? I think I think that's it. I think that's the only one that I would really consider being the deepest lore. That or the Wolfman Phantom Wiki. <laughs> the Wolfman Phantom Wiki is definitely I do a close I second. I do enjoy a good a good uh, homebrew wiki. They always they're always full of such wonderful cringe. If if that's I think if that's where we're at, then that's going to be all the time we have for today. We're already running. Every episode runs a little bit longer. We're at an yeah. hour fifteen right now. Then in that case, I want to thank our our listeners for for tuning back in for episode five. We are open to suggestions. Not everyone's suggestion is going to get in, especially if we have a large number. But we're always open to filling out our, our putting more ideas into the hat, so to speak. Um, if you want to submit an idea, a topic suggestion to us for potentially uh, appearing as an episode, our email will be deeplorablecontact at gmail.com. Just uh, put topic suggestion or topic idea in the subject line and we will review the topic idea. And if we think it make, could make for a good deplorable, we'll throw it in the hat and it may come up. Thank you again for listening. As always, I'm Michael Bastine. And I'm Billy Staples. And we will see you guys, or I guess you will hear from us next time. Bye. Bye.